Welcome to Visionary Voices, the College President's Playbook, a podcast that serves as your backstage pass to an uplifting and positive view into the collaborative playbook of higher education presidents and their senior leaders. I'm your host, Dr. Brian Gross. Join me weekly for discussions with some of the best minds in higher education leadership, from presidents to provosts, enrollment managers to CFOs, CIOs to chief diversity officers. This show is your ticket to the most future forward strategies that are impacting real results on college campuses today. Each week, I will be posting highlights and insights from our show. So let's connect. Visionary Voices is part of the Enrollified Network, a robust collection of podcasts designed to help higher education professionals like you grow. Explore our other shows at Enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451 the leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com. Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of Visionary Voices, the College President's Playbook. I'm your host, Dr. Brian Gross, the Vice President for Enrollment Management and Athletics at Hartwick College and an aspiring college president. Today is an exciting day as we embark on a journey to explore the strategic minds shaping higher education. Now let me introduce you to our remarkable guests. We have with us today President Elizabeth Mead and Provost Bob Wilson from Cedar Crest College, a unique institution nestled in the picturesque Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. Cedar Crest College is not your average college. It's a place where innovation meets tradition and diversity thrives. President Mead and Provost Wilson have been working together for over 20 years, forging an extraordinary partnership that's been interesting instrumental in Cedar Crest's mission to empower a diverse student body through education. Cedar Crest College is known for its commitment to providing an exceptional liberal arts education to women, although they offer co-educational programs at the undergraduate online program level and at the graduate level. Today, we're going to be talking about their groundbreaking sophomore expedition program. This program is turning heads around the country, transforming education as we know it. We'll delve into their inspiring journey, visionary leadership, and the remarkable impact of the sophomore expedition program. So whether you're a current or aspiring leader in academe or simply curious about the future of education, get ready to expand your horizon as we explore how Cedar Crest College Sophomore Expedition Program is changing the game in study abroad. Forget solo adventures. This program takes the entire sophomore class on a transformational journey, redefining global experiences in higher education. Join us now for an eye-opening conversation with President Elizabeth Mead and Provost Bob Wilson as we dive into a positive and collaborative view of what can be accomplished in higher education today. Thanks. Well, at Visionary Voices, we really try to talk about initiatives that lead to results uh, for students on campus. And I don't think we could really talk about initiatives before we first talk about um, focusing on mission and making sure that whatever initiative we provide um, has that kind of connection. Um, Can you talk to me about your mission at Cedar Crest? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, mission is at the heart of everything that we do. And our mission is to uh, educate our students at every stage of life and experience for life in a global community. That is a core part of everything we do for every student. But that mission is the latest incarnation of a mission that's been part of us for over 150 years. Um, Cedar Crest College was founded um, in 1867 at a time when women had no access to higher education in the Lehigh Valley and almost nowhere else in Pennsylvania. We were the second women's college founded in Pennsylvania. And these were the daughters of, of clergy. These were not the daughters of the elite. They were ambitious in their own way. They were facing a world changed by the Civil War. That is the DNA at the heart of everything we do. We open the doors of education to those for whom access is denied. And you see that in our current population. Our current population is um, about 40% first-generation college students. It's usually about 40, I think this year it's 38% students of color and 40% Pell eligible, so among the most um, economically needy students. And what, what, what we do for them, because of our adherence to our mission, our historic mission, the current incarnation of the mission statement, is nothing less than amazing. We see it every day. Somebody who comes didn't even know if she would go to college, if college was for somebody like her, but who, because of a, a mentor, a guidance counselor, says, I think you could do this. Uh, and then comes and is transformed forever by not just any education, but the, the really particularly empowering education of Cedar Crest College. And, and Bob mentioned our the diversity of our student bodies. And we see that even in our co-ed adult undergraduate programs, we see that in our graduate programs. And so if you point to any aspect of our campus, I can show you how we're opening the doors of education and how we're preparing students at all stages of life and experience for life in a global community. I saw those elements in, in two areas, you know, it's like the art and the science. And so in watching videos about student experience at Cedar Crest uh, prior to this interview, I was so moved by the uh, genuine life-changing experiences students was having. But even in looking at your iPads data, you're clearly an institution. You may not uh, have thousands and thousands of thousands of applications, but of the applications that you do have, you're admitting very intentionally, and then you're yielding at a higher rate than you're peer. So it seems to me that you know exactly who you are, you know the type of students that you could impact and uh, are achieving positive results uh, in that way as well. So I want to move on and talk about a specific initiative that you're really proud of, that incorporates elements of technology, that stays true to your vision. Brian, if you're curious about technology, uh, within just to kind of connect what we were saying about the student body that we enroll, we're very intentional about our mission, the students that we educate. Um, and one of the initiatives that I'm most excited we're working on now is a laptops for learners initiative. Uh, so that's a device program uh, that's going to provide a device for all of our traditional age students that will be coming in. Uh, we're able to, to do that in a way that tries to level the equity gap for what devices our students have, where they're coming from. You know, most of our students, um, particularly our traditional students, are coming out of, say, high schools where they've been given a, given a Chromebook. Some of them are still trying to use that. We know it's about 10% of our student users on our campus. 
But when they get to a college class, they find that they can't run the software they need if they're in an online class to proctoring software. So um, we're just rolling out right now what will be the uh, real an, an inaugural um, year coming for this fall's class, uh, this device program, Laptops for Learners, where all students will be on the same device, will have access to that, will have a unified platform, and we're able to provide it to them you know, in, 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 a, in a way that's going to level the playing field, right, so that they're not... Um, wondering, well, we have to support this device, that device, right? Is how do we create uh, the the digital learning environment that our students deserve when they come to Cedar Crest, the same as we would on our physical campus. That's great. That's amazing. At Hartwick College, we just, for similar reasons, we looked at a book bundle. So now all of our students have their books uh, provided to them um, as part when they enroll so that they don't have to go the extra effort to buy and figure out the books. And we did a lot of work on thinking about the impact uh, that that has. I also came across, I, I was sharing with Dr. Mead before the interview, uh, my background in international admissions, and I'm, I remain deeply connected to NAFSA. And I saw that uh, you were awarded the 2023 uh, Paul Simon Award for uh, Innovation and Internationalization. So huge congratulations to you and Cedarcrest. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about the uh, sophomore expedition, which I'm just blown away by? It's so exciting. So this is an initiative that came out of our previous strategic plan, the one that ran from 2017 to 2022. And it came out of a, a recognition that our students, the students that, that find themselves at Cedar Crest, are much less likely to study abroad than students at better resourced institutions. But that we also know that students of color, first generation students, um, students of a lower SES, benefit from studying abroad disproportionately. They get enormous benefits out of it. But, you know, they have done everything they can just to get here. And they come here with a narrative that study abroad is an extra. You know, why would they do that? It took everything they got to get here. So the study abroad that we have, or one of the study abroad, the sophomore expedition, is not an opt-in program. It's an opt-out. We assume when you come here that you're going to study abroad, you're going to do it together. So the sophomore expedition is a trip that we take with the entire sophomore class, typically during spring break um, of their sophomore year, although COVID messed with our schedule a little bit. Uh, the college pays for the entire cost of the trip. The students need only have their passport and a little bit of spending money. But uh, from the time they leave campus till the time they come back, uh, the college covers everything. Uh, and the power of bringing the group together to a single destination is amazing. They spend the, the spring semester in a course that's been specially designed by our amazing faculty to, to give them a particular education in a particular segment of life in the destination that we've chosen. Uh, they do a lot of work while they're in country with their class, uh, but there are really three major components of the course. It is the academic component, the learning, the course that they're in. But there's also a strong service component because service is also a big part of our mission. And then third is the cultural experience. This is for many of our students, their first time abroad, um, for many of them, the first time on an airplane. And we want to make sure that they're truly experiencing the country that they are in. And so over the week, they spend about a third of their time in each of those um, experiences. And it is astonishing. 
Bob doesn't always like it when I bring up statistics because he likes stories. So he can tell some stories. But I do want to talk about a couple of things. The percentage of students for whom it's their first time abroad at Cedarcrest is always over 70%, and it's been over 80%. Right? Think about the impact we're having on students when they, they manage to get to college and they know now that they're going abroad. In the United States, the um, average percentage of undergraduates who study abroad is 2.7%. At Cedarcrest, it's 68% of students. Um, we know that students who study abroad are likely to be employed more quickly after graduation to make more money in their careers and to be accepted into their top two graduate school choices. So it affects them in the moment, but those effects stay with them through their entire lives. What an incredibly powerful testament to the work that you're doing at Cedarcrest. All right, Bob, I need a story or two. My first question how did you possibly make this happen? Because we have a lot of higher ed administrators and aspiring leaders that are probably thinking, I would love to be able to engage in a campus-wide initiative. It involves enrollment and academics and student affairs and uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, human resources. There's probably not an office involved in the entire college that um, doesn't contribute to this. So how did this come about, Bob, and how did you get everyone on board? Yeah, thanks, Brian. So I'll, I'll try for this. I told you I was the English professor. So when President Mead says stories, not statistics, that's always my that's always my go to. Uh, a lot of time, a lot of investment by a lot of people is how the sophomore expedition came about. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the idea for global engagement for more study abroad was something that the previous president, President Mead, and I had worked with. Um, Carmen Twilley Ambar, she's moved on um, to uh, to another institution, but she, you know, she said, "Well, where does Cedarcrest distinguish itself?" And it was in study abroad, right? And it began the whole campus over a number of years trying to figure out, well, what would that mean? Would it be the way that other institutions do it, where yeah, a faculty member will lead a group, or maybe there's a study tour? And every college or university in this country will tell you that they do study abroad for another $5,000. You too can go on this, on this trip by, by yourself. So it took a lot of work of people with people saying, well, how would we do this differently? Partly that was putting a vision out to donors and to raising an endowment that would support this operationally. Um, and being able to roll that out when we did, um, really just to, to, to level the cost so that students, you know, the only thing they need to pay for is a passport. We still have emergency funding to close the gap for students. You say, wait, I can't afford the passport to try to make this um, financially viable for our students. And from there, it means, you know, it's involving our faculty in terms of thinking about learning what they can teach about a given destination and how we then bring all of our student support staff and our coordinators together uh, to be able to make that program happen. So we have at any one point three expeditions running, uh, the one we're in the midst of doing, the immediately the one that we're going on, and then the one that we're planning for in the future. And what it's really created on our campus is this this hunger for study abroad global initiatives. So faculty who have gone on this, you know, they may not have led a study abroad before, but then now they want to go and do additional study a ways on the basis of that. It's, it's really uh, set fire to the idea of global education on our campus. It really involves the whole campus, as Bob said, a whole campus collaboration because it's a recruitment tool. Uh, and yeah. so the the involvement of the admissions office is, is important. Um, and they have sent staff on the sophomore expedition as coordinators so that they can experience it. 
Um, our fundraising office, Institutional Advancement, is still raising money for it as am I. Um, they have sent staff on it so they can fully experience it. We have an open call for coordinators so that um, any staff member on our campus can apply to go on it. It's not a vacation, um, but it's an experience that we can offer our campus. The, the destination is a closely guarded secret. You feel very privileged if you're in on the secret. Um, people are always trying to worm it out of us. And we have a moment during our freshman orientation, our first year orientation, the parents are about to leave. So there's everyone's getting very teary and they're assembled on the plaza outside of our main administration building, our iconic first building on campus. And Bob and I are on the, on the porch going through our open door ceremony, which is how we welcome every new student to campus. We've been doing it since 1923. Um, And then at the end of it, we announce the destination, right? These are first year students. They're learning in their first week where they're going in their sophomore year and banners come down and music plays and confetti is thrown that then has to be cleaned up. But it's an, (laughs) it's an amazing moment. These students who are so scared that their parents are leaving are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to Rio de Janeiro. I'm going to Dublin. And that's the moment when the parents say, wow, this is an amazing journey for you. And they can go off and still cry a little bit. Uh, but it, it, I've never seen an initiative so joyous that really engages the entire campus in it from beginning to end. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Brian Gross from Visionary Voices. I have some really exciting news to share with you. I'll be at the Engage Summit in Raleigh on June 25th and 26th, and I'd love to meet you there. Hosted by Element 451, the Engage Summit is your roadmap for AI readiness in higher education. Sessions will focus on cutting-edge AI applications that are reshaping student outreach, enhancing staff productivity, and offering insights into ROI. This isn't your typical conference. It's a strategic summit where you'll learn from some of the best about leveraging AI and digital strategies in higher ed marketing. Imagine two days filled with hands-on sessions, real-world stories, and the chance to network with the top minds in the field. You'll leave with practical, transformational takeaways as you learn how AI fosters a more personalized, efficient approach from recruitment to student success. Oh, and the best part? The Engage Summit is incredibly affordable. Use the discount code ENROLLIFY50 and you can register for just $99. So join me and many of my fellow Enrollify Network creators at the Engage Summit this June. Learn more and register at engage.element451.com. We can't wait to see you there. I wish you could see the chills on my arms. I, I that was the I wanted to hear all about you know how you unveil it and and the reaction. What kind of feedback have you gotten from parents? That's such an important group when we think about the work that we do. Well, the parents are thrilled. I mean, they stop me at admissions events or actually when we've come back and said it was the most amazing experience. I was actually out of state this summer and wearing my Cedar Crest baseball cap as I do everywhere I go. And somebody stopped me and said, oh, do you work at Cedar Crest? And I said, yes, I do. And oh, my uh, my best friend's daughter goes there. Do you know she went to Rome this year? And I said, yes, I was with her. <laughs> and we had a great 
a great conversation. And the students, right? We have the most amazing student testimonials on this trip, the way it's transformed lives. And I was thinking today about Kat Malari. Do you remember, do you remember Kat, Bob? Yeah, she was in Rio. She was in Rio. She was our very, very, very first one. And it absolutely changed her life. She came back. She switched her major to global studies. Um, and then she went after graduation uh, and started working for the Fresh Air Fund in New York in their advancement office, but now is working at the Institute for International Education because the power of an international education accompanied with her very heartfelt reaction to the poverty that we saw in Rio sent her into the realm of nonprofits and fundraising and making a difference in the world um, that she that she pursues to this day and still talks about how it was a pivotal moment in her education. And that's just one. I mean, I could reel them off by the thousands. Really, really amazing. I'm wondering how the program has evolved since you've launched it. What uh, measures do you put in towards efforts of continual improvement so the program evolves with the changing nature of our students? I can talk to on the ground. I think Bob can talk about it more as a as an academic initiative. You know, on the ground, we take the feedback from students and make adjustments every year to make it a better experience for them. One of the ways that, that has really evolved is in giving them more freedom of choice and more freedom to navigate the city alone. You know, our first one was to Rio. It's not really where you want young women going alone at night. And so we had a lot of very strict uh, measures in place about when they could go out and who they could go out with and so forth. And um, we have moved so much that by the time we were in Morocco and Marrakesh, students could go out. They were going out in groups where, wherever they wanted. Um, they, we've learned how to prepare students for the challenges of navigating a city and to do so safely and responsibly and in a way that helps them really maximize their education. I think we've also learned about how to better align the service projects with the academic interests of the students. Um, I think that's been really tremendously successful and Bob deserves a lot of credit for that. That's sort of the nitty gritty of, of working with the tour providers and putting together the right service experiences. Bob, what would you point to? Well, I think those are some really key parts of it. Brian, um, you know, to your question, like how have things changed? Um, you know, it's one thing to put students in a city abroad and to do so collectively as a group. And it's another thing to help them academically, intellectually, just kind of process the, ex the experience. So, you know, what we learned, if you're going to go abroad in this way that we take students and they're understanding like the, the great art, the great beauty, uh, the, you know, just meeting people and, 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 and from cultures that aren't their own, but they're also seeing, you know, what poverty looks like uh, in, in other countries. That's a whirlwind right experience to be able to for our students who may have never been abroad before to then come back and be able to process and oh you're just back on on our, our campus so building in the academic framework to get them to process reflect on think about how they move from that 
has really been some of the work of the seminars that, that we have in terms of the subject matter. One of the things that we found that we'd always hoped with this was we wanted this to be part of students visioning their careers. Mm. Uh, that is absolutely something that we have focused on in getting them better. So one of the goals we've had for the sophomore expedition is, you know, we'll have a nursing student, for example, who will be on the expedition. She'll come back and she'll, she's completing, say, her, her nursing degree. Uh, well, when she sits for her first job, what I want her to be able to do is not only say, well, Cedar Crest prepared me well as a nurse. Oh, and by the way, I went to Rio or Rome or Athens or some other city. What I want her to say is, you know what? I graduated from Cedar Crest with this nursing degree. Let me tell you what I know about healthcare in this other country and be able to connect through the experiences that she built from the expedition to just being president in kind of the, the first job that she's, she's going to have. So we've been very intentional about building program for how to represent the trip on, say, your LinkedIn profile, awesome. uh, on how to talk about it in your job materials to reflect it on, on your resume uh, with our students. So they're seeing it not as, oh, that was one class or a trip I took, but it's really a, a, you know, a lifetime uh, source of how we sort of think about ourselves in the world. I love this. It's I love the um, formula. Uh, thinking about return on expectations equals return on investment plus return on wellness, and you seem to be hitting on every element there uh, in terms of student wellness and uh, also, you know, connecting it to you know career outcomes, which we know is so important to to families today. Dr. Mead, you had talked about two important stats earlier in the conversation. Um, over 70% of students, it's their first time experience overseas, and about 68% of students at Cedar Crest are studying abroad. Have you been able to measure any other aspects of the impact of this program in terms of recruitment or retention or graduation rates or anything along those lines? Yeah, I I mean, I Bob might be the best one to talk about that. He's my, my go-to source on... Yeah. Numbers. I like the stats. He likes the stories, but he still owns the numbers. <laughs> yeah, Brian, we've absolutely seen an impact. So, um, you know, when we do our NESI, the National Survey of Student Engagement Indicators, we are always double digits above in terms of the impact and participation and study abroad. But most importantly, probably from your question is when we ask students what their reasons were for choosing Cedar Crest College, the study abroad opportunity is always uh, in the top number of reasons, right? So they're typically looking for you know kind of a whole range of things. That I think most other colleges and universities do, but when they're choosing us, they say, "Well, what you know, why Cedar Crest over these other areas?" Uh, the sophomore expedition study abroad opportunities is is always among the highest reasons that they give us. Well, congratulations for the incredible work on the the sophomore expedition and uh, for the incredible impact that it's having. Uh, Clearly, you know, the synergy between the two of you and your leadership team having a positive impact uh, throughout the entire campus. I was wondering if you could offer any advice to um, aspiring higher education leaders, whether somebody aspires to be a provost, a vice president or a president. What advice would you give to any listeners out there? You know what? I think that what I would say for anybody going into higher ed administration is to be very intentional about building a portfolio of experiences because these are really hard jobs and to go into them, to be honest, a little bit the way that I did, you know, knowing a lot about academics, but not a lot about finance, enrollment, fundraising and so forth, um, I think is just too hard right now. Uh, and I think that there are ways to get educated and involved with other aspects of college administration while a faculty member, while 
a supervisor, while a uh, a member of 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 a leadership team, and I think that is absolutely essential. And the second piece of advice, and I may be preempting Bob on this, but I I really do believe in it. Really done it is build up a portfolio of things that you've built. Right. This is not this is not just steering a ship. Right. We are all building the airplane while we fly it. You have to have a passion for building the airplane. And so, you know, step out of your comfort zone and find a place in your institution where you can build something that you're that you're proud of that makes a difference because that's the joy of the of the work, right? Bob, that's a tough act to follow. You think you could do it? It sure is, but I I, I sure can't as well. But what else? <laughs> I mean, if I were to boil it down for aspiring leaders, it's listen to students and get all of us to listen to students. You spend a a day in any higher education leadership job, you will start to see all of the challenges that we have. We all know about enrollment, budgets, public perception of higher education, but the students, the minds that we educate is where we all come together on. So I have not found anything that we are trying to build, any problem that we are trying to solve that if we turn the question to what do students need, what are they telling us, everybody who is in higher education is in this because we believe that the, stu- that the students that we educate can learn, we want them to learn, we want them to thrive and be successful. And so the solution is always there, right? Uh, no matter what, what the issue, uh, issue uh, may be. Um, so with everything that President Meets said, I absolutely agree, thinking about a portfolio, uh, getting a real depth of that. All of that complexity, though, also sits with our students' lives, what they're doing in the classroom, what they're doing on campus, uh, what they're doing with their families, they're trying to work, hold down a job, uh, you know, around the edges. And it, it's really, it's, it's understanding that experience first that has to feed through anything else that we're going to address and solve. This is great. Um, I like to end every episode by asking my guests to think about a song that uh, represents either your college or your senior leadership team. And I have a playlist that I'm building on Spotify that will incorporate all of the songs. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you uh, to pick a song that might uh, represent the spirit of Cedar Crest. Oh, I, I have one. I, and it's <laughs> Katy Perry's it. Roar. Um, you know, that is awesome. We get knocked down, we get back up, uh, and uh, you're going to hear us roar. That is amazing. Amazing, amazing. The students and the families of Cedar Crest are incredibly lucky to have uh, the two of you as leaders. And uh, I feel like we just got to, we just got to scratch the surface. There's so many other incredible things happening um, at Cedar Crest College. Um, I wanted to talk more about nuclear medicine and your nursing program. And uh, maybe we could have you back at a future episode to, uh, to dive deeper into more incredible things happening at Cedar Crest. Sure, we'd be happy to do that. In the meantime, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time. Uh, You've both been so generous and open and honest, and I think our listeners will really appreciate learning from uh, your expertise and thinking about how uh, collaboration could really make a positive difference in the lives of students on a great campus. Yeah, thanks, Brian. This has been uh, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Visionary Voices, the College President's Playbook, is part of the Enrollified Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. 
our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admission professionals find their next big ideas and feature a huge selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Artist Cadu, Jamie Hunt, Allison Tercio, and so many more of your favorite leaders in higher ed. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.